0: Restoring trust after an adulterous affair on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. And today I'm delighted to have with us one of our board members, Kevin Backus. He's been a long I'm member of ACBC, and uh, he serves as the pastor of Bible Presbyterian Church in Grand Island, New York. He's also a chaplain with law enforcement in New York, and I'm so grateful that he's here. He also teaches at Western Reform Seminary in Tacoma, Washington, uh, also at Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary in Greenville, South Carolina. And he teaches a few courses for Reformed Presbyterian Theological Seminary in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Kevin, I'm so grateful that you're here. This is such an important topic that that so many people have had to walk through the difficulty and the destruction uh, of an adulterous relationship. So, brother, thank you for, for coming, for speaking on this topic and encouraging folks who are walking through that difficulty. Now, I want to begin, if we can, Kevin, talking about this issue, because often what happens in a broken relationship like this is uh, people lose trust. But I think it's helpful that we sort of define our our terms first. So what is is trust? What is it to trust in a person? And how does that type of trust actually develop? Trust is essentially defined as a a
1: firm belief in someone else. Uh, Your trust, you have a confidence that they're going to be uh, acting with your best interests at heart, that they have an ability to to demonstrate the kind of care that you believe that you're looking for in that relationship, mm-hmm. and that you've got a pattern and track record that they're actions that back up that confidence that you have. It, it's really rooted in a belief in a person or an institution, if it's of that kind. But it comes always through a period of time mm-hmm. uh, to see the evidence of what you're looking for. You start off I think sometimes we think about, well, there's a certain amount of trust that's owed to people just because of a position that they hold. And and that's not how you enter into marriage. You have, before you're standing before a minister and taking your vows, you've had a long period of time, whether you're conscious of it or not, where you're evaluating whether or not you have, can, can have can have trust, confidence, belief in the person that you're about to spend your life with.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, when things like this happen, because as you just mentioned, you're having an expectation that you're going to spend your life with this person, and and then an adulterous affair occurs, uh, sometimes we, we think, especially the, the one who's committed the affair, they've come to a place maybe where they're repentant, um, and they sort of assume, okay, like I've turned. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not engaging in this activity. I'm coming back to you. They assume that, that trust is something that ought to happen automatically. Uh, but even when a couple decides to reconcile and even when the offended uh, party uh, is willing to reconcile trust is not something that that's automatic so many people think that that maybe it is uh, but but talk about that idea that, that trust is not necessarily something within the marital relationship that's that's automatic yeah usually when that this happens the person who's the offender has has uh, dealt
1: with this issue. They've gone back and forth in their brain. They've been guilty for years. They've been thinking about how to try and, or months and trying to, how they're going to address this. And they have the conversation. They think, okay, that's it. It's all over. Mm -hmm. And now we just reset to where we were before. But in the first place, trust grew over a period of time. And in this situation, when there's a willingness to rebuild, it's still going to take a period of time Mm -hmm. to give, uh, to give both parties a chance to regain confidence in one another.
0: Yeah, that's right, and I think that's a. As you mentioned, that takes that takes time, uh, takes experience as they walk with that person um, through through this reconciliation. Now. It, it's hard enough as a counselor sometimes to ask a spouse to trust someone who's previously offended. So in that case, are we are we asking them to, to be vulnerable or gullible if we're asking them to um, trust this previous offender?
1: Well, you know, there's some vulnerability in every relationship, but we're not asking them to be gullible. Mm. In fact, some of the steps we'll talk about will be things that will confirm and give an opportunity to demonstrate the kind of Behavior that shows a person to be trustworthy, mm. but the, the Proverbs talks about the fact that the fool believes everything, but the wise, the prudent, considers his steps well. Mm. Um, it's Proverbs 14, 15, and sixteen, and, and so we're we're not asking them to be foolish. We're not asking for blind confidence. Mm. Um, quite honestly, the only only being that can have absolute we can have absolute confidence mm. in would be the Lord. That's the only ironclad trust that we've got or, or relationship we've got, and. Everyone else is a limited confidence and uh, trust in people is always um, relative.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So this is going to be an area uh, we want to take some steps to help give an opportunity to build the things that will will lead to having trust.
0: That's such a helpful distinction, Kevin, as you, you describe that growing in the process of trust. And we're not just asking them to have blind trust, as so many people might think when we're, as a counselor, you know, asking someone to, to reconcile or to, 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 uh, to follow out this relationship. And so you mentioned some steps, and I, I'm curious. I think this is going to be helpful. What are some of those steps uh, that we can help a couple work through to build to build trust?
1: I think one of the first things uh, is that we should address the motivation they have for wanting to rebuild this relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there are often motivations that are very um, self-focused and and I think we can consider what is a good testimony for the Lord. We consider the grace of God which is not limited and can and the hope that we can give them that in the future what has been broken can be restored by God because of God's power and for God's glory. Mm-hmm. Um quite honestly as far as motivation goes just the the idea that one party who's been offended can say i want to believe you i want to have trust in you is tremendously encouraging and hope giving and and helpful along the way so uh, addressing that's the first thing believing that um Helping a couple believe in the promises of God and, you know, the scriptures replete with that, so I won't go into those. But there's so many promises that God gives us about his uh, help to us in these times as we're seeking to follow him and honor him. Uh, And we can certainly believe that God knows how to deal with people who are... um, faithless Mm. and deceitful Mm -hmm. and the, the issue of those who Proverbs tells us those who hide sins and cover it, they're not going to prosper. Mm. So we have our confidence in God as we walk through that. Mm. Um, I think we really have to help a couple understand the nature of sin. Um, So often when I've been involved helping people in this time in their life, uh, their idea of what led them into this affair to begin with is very foreign to Scripture. Mm. Well, you know, I don't really have to worry about it because this woman was just the my my husband's perfect ideal woman: eye color, hair color, figure, everything. And that's why this happened. It'll never happen again. Mm. Well. It does. You know, that's not the reason that you got involved in the situation. So the basic issues about sin, going to James 1, talking about the development of of the lust in the heart and how that out works out in life is something that has to be understood in order to be addressed. Um, a lot of times when we're teaching uh, people about counseling, there's the old wheel illustration that, that talks about a problem and all the way that, that it works out in various areas in their life. So this is one of those areas that are one of those sins that dominates a life. And if we're going to help a couple be successful, they need to understand how this sin has bled over into and affected their relationship with the Lord, their relationship with their extended family, not just the, the marital relationship. That it's probably affected their finances and so many other areas that we want them to take a look at. And of course, in today's day and age, their health mm-hmm. and the concerns that come up there. So that would be another area. And then I I think once you understand uh, about those sins, you begin to look at the basics of confession. Mm -hmm. Um, I I sinned or I, you know, I did this. I'm sorry. It was a great mistake. I'm disappointed in myself is not a Christian confession. Mm -hmm. And as a counselor, I so often think we're believing the Christians because we talk about confession. We talk about forgiveness so much we assume counselees know what that means. And I don't think that's true. Mm. I mean, it certainly has proven not to be. And so I think there's a there's very good reason to examine what are the particular sins and then to help people address um, specifically how to go about confessing a sin. Uh, I always like to refer back to peacemakers. They have the seven A's of confession mm. and it's a very helpful tool to, to give to a counselee to walk through. Um, What needs to be addressed when they really begin to unpack this? Uh, Seldom in the first meeting you have 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 people really unpacked all the areas that have been involved and then made an honest confession about any of those things. Mm -hmm. And then particularly as well, uh, although there's we we tend to talk about an offender and an offended and we want to emphasize that there's not an excuse for sin. And I'm 100 percent responsible for the sin that I've committed there are also things that the partners may have done that have made it harder for that per their, their spouse to be faithful, yeah. not always, but sometimes. And I think it's appropriate for them to be able to take a, a hard look at that as well. Um, to take a look at, as you're addressing this, what may, what may have been a part of your relationship that has exacerbated this, what might have made it more difficult for there to be faithfulness in the relationship. And, um, Once you get to that point where you've unpacked the sin that's been involved, you've taken a look at the ways that it's shown up in their lives. And then I think it's it's helpful to be able to structure a program uh, of some steps that they can take together as a couple to begin to rebuild that relationship. Um, I think a part of that's going to be for Christians that they're going to um, be they're going to involve their local church. They're going to involve uh, their pastor. They're going to involve the elders in the church, uh, however that's structured, so that there can be accountability to the, the body. Yeah. There can be the resources and help of the church that comes alongside God's people. Um, I believe that uh, it's it's very helpful for in ACBC. I think we emphasize counseling couples together, not let this become two people seeing two separate counselors. And, and it becomes uh, very difficult to make sure that that they're actually on the same page and working together and you're getting a good feed a good track record of what's happening in their lives in the relationship um, a couple things that i would encourage um, people to do at this time would be to develop a plan for some accountability mm. um, that's where you're going to begin to provide some opportunities uh, for trust to be rebuilt um, for example i, I kind of lump a few together uh, i would encourage them to be willing to be made accountable. They're the offender, um, to be willing to be accountable, to accept the rules for accountability, enter wholeheartedly into it, not to, to, to enter like a petulant child who's being punished. Mm-hmm. And, and the flip side of that is that the per the, the spouse not to treat it as punishment, not to treat it as every time you know I'm looking for an opportunity, one guy described it as you're trying to climb out of the well and I'm gonna stomp on the fingers because I like the control that I've developed. Um, but to have some rules for that accountability, and I think a, a few areas for accountability in particular would be um, in in time and the use of time, a person's whereabouts and their finances. Um, not everyone's used to that. Um, so sometimes you have to teach some time management and get people to start keeping a schedule, planning a schedule in advance and letting their spouse know, being willing to be checked up on throughout the day. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's uh, helpful to, so where, you're, where you are, how you used your time, um, as well as finances. You know, if you're going to have an affair, it's going to cost some money generally. Mm-hmm. You know, there's going to be meetings in, in, in places and you can keep a, a careful check on those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think during this time, you want to emphasize that you need to be scrupulously honest about things, mm-hmm. painfully honest in some sense. Uh, I'm not sure how it works at your house, Dale, but at the end of the day, I come home, my wife and I see each other and we say, well, how'd your day go? And my wife tells me a few highlights of what happened in her classroom. And I tell her, you know, some of the non-confidential things that happened in my life. But there's a whole lot of things that I don't think to mention, like I made a run to the bank today mm. or I, I uh, went and got gas in the car today. But, you know, if you've if you're dealing with this kind of a situation um, and you leave something like that out and your wife's friend says, oh, I saw your husband over at such and such you left it out, I can guarantee where the brain, where the mind is going to go. That's right. Um, With permission, I'll mention a a family that was going through this and the husband, very limited in finances because of this, he was saving money up to get his wife a special gift um, and it was a very nice gift and he wanted to do it over months because he wanted to show how much he appreciated the confidence his wife is showing her care and grace. She realized something wasn't happening right with the money and she asked him and by the time he told her it was a little too long and it was worse than if he'd never, you know, gone out of the way to get the gift. So mm-hmm. I encourage people to say, look at, you might want to say, Hey, you know, your birthday's next week. You might not want to know the answer to that, but if you want to know, I'll tell you right now mm-hmm. and keep very detailed record of, of what you're doing mm-hmm. during all those times. The other thing, and, and I know there's a lot, I don't want to take too long. I'll just, will li- limit it with this. Um, I, I talk about hedges with couples. Mm-hmm. Um, there are areas where in most of these cases, if you get to know your spouse well enough, you can go back and in retros, retrospect, you look at it and you go, how did I not see that? These things were going on. How did I not see that? And they might be, you know, a lack. Of, you know, one person was saying, you know, you could I could tell my husband he spent a lot of time reading the Bible and all of a sudden he wasn't. Or my wife, another one. My wife stopped hanging out with all of her Christian friends. Mm. You know, those are some common things. And if you can look at that, um, that's not the sin. But you can tell its a pattern that may be leading up to that. Yep. So you know you go to a swimming pool, you don't put the the marker the deep end right on the edge of the deep end cuz mm-hmm. kids like me are going to slip under trying to put their foot on the other side. Yeah. You know, you set it back a ways. Mm-hmm. and I'd say these are hedges, let's agree that if you see these things happening, mm-hmm. you know, we're back in here and we're dealing with some of those things.
0: That's uh, so wise. And uh, listen, you may need to you may need to rewind this thing and to uh, hear some of that counsel again, some of the steps, uh, to take, because these are delicate situations. Uh, people are, are tender. People are vulnerable when this type of stuff happens, particularly in covenant relationship. And so, uh, we need to walk into these situations tenderly. I think you can hear in Kevin's voice, how tender he's trying to deal with these things, uh, but giving wise biblical counsel. So I want to encourage you, um, to, to pay attention to the counsel that's given and how we think biblically uh, through these delicate, difficult, but hopeful situations. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. Now I want to mention to you the many resources that over our 45 plus year history that the Lord has allowed us to accumulate with so many great men and women who have uh, taught on very difficult issues that we struggle with in in our human existence and all of our experiences from a biblical perspective, giving God's wisdom to bear on all the difficulties that we experience in life. So I want to remind you of the amount of resources, the plethora of resources that we have uh, On our store's website. And I wanna make mention that we only talked briefly about this subject with Kevin today, but he's done a workshop on this subject by that same title Restoring Trust After an Adulterous Affair. We're gonna put a link to that in our store on the show notes, I want to encourage you to go visit our store to check out that particular resource done by Kevin, where you can hear a full length dealing with this particular issue, where he goes into more detail about some of these, uh, this wise biblical counsel, but also the many other resources that we offer. And you can find that at biblicalcounseling.com.